good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Ryan, obviously the guy in the video. <laughs> my wife Sarah is in the back. And we have four of our kids here. Uh, we filled up your children's ministry, just to let you know. <laughs> and uh, we, will, yeah, we will keep doing that. So uh, I'm grateful to be here. Um, that was a, a video that our church fi- uh, filmed on foster care a few years back. And uh, it just kind of helps give some context. I have countless stories of foster care. My wife and I have been doing foster care for 10 years. And I would say it's the great, our, um, the best, hardest thing we've ever done. It's like this oxymoron. And uh, just like you, um, you kind of heard, we have uh, four kids um, that are adopted out of foster care, so six kids total. Uh, when Sarah and I were, uh, had two kids, I always looked at those families with the, with the minivan and, and like mock them. <laughs> and then now, now we are uh, that family. I remember when we were young, had four kids under four, and we had more snacks that could feed our entire family for a month on the ground. And uh, we had, happened to strap them into four, four car seats in the air and the 2002 Honda Odyssey barely worked. It was as close to hell I ever wanna get. <laughs> and uh, so it's been a, a wild ride. I wouldn't choose any other way. Uh, my, uh, professionally, I'm a psychologist. Uh, that just means I'm a little crazier than most. And uh, I, am, I think of myself as a foster care advocate. Um, I was a pastor for a while and then really felt called to the foster care work and um, trying to help the foster care system in our state. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know too much about the foster care system, at least in our state in particular, um, right now, currently, as it sits right now, we have 14,000 kids in the foster care system, um, which is a decrease over the last several years. Uh, but most people would say that that's not necessarily a good thing. Because of the pandemic, we don't have teachers who are mandated reporters having eyes on kids. Um, churches for a while weren't gathering, so we didn't get to see. So my guess is that in this next year, we're going to see, huge, uh, see a huge increase in those numbers. Um, 40% of foster kids um, are below age five. They're in the foster care system for almost two years before they're either adopted um, or get to transition home. And um, my wife and I's work, and Ohana in general, our biggest call is to help the um, older kids. Uh, What we know is we talk about this aged out kid. What all that means is like kids who turn 18, if you've ever had an 18-year-old or know someone, they think they're adults, right? But they're like the furthest thing from adult and ready to go off into adulthood, especially if you've been in and out of the foster care system in group homes or, or different shelters and things like that. And what we are trying to do is create this um, ecosystem around these kids um, to love them deeply, to create mentors, to create jobs programs, because we know the stats against these kids are uh, horrible. Uh, Just a couple for you, 800 uh, of our youth age out in Arizona every year. When they age out, 20% will be homeless. Um, I have gotten three calls this last month from our kids um, who wish they could come back, and then I'd have no way to do it. Um, 30% will be arrested, 7 out of 10 girls will be pregnant by 21, uh, less than 3% will get a college degree. And we want to make sure that we fight against that. And uh, so I'm going to share some stories about our own self in, foster, uh, in the foster care system, but I'm also going to, um, as you guys are in the midst of, we're wrapping up a series on the Great Commission. You've, you've probably read the scripture um, a dozen times, um, but I really want to kind of focus in 
like Pastor Tim was saying about the deed and the aspects of that. So uh, we're going to look at that together, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Uh, It'll be on the screen for you as well. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will give this to you always to the very end of the age. The word obey for me is something that has really kind of transitioned in my life. When I think of myself as a disciple, when I think of the word disciple, I think there's like three aspects to it. It's like one, to be like Jesus. The second one is to be like Jesus, um, being so, being in relationship, being in communion, learning more about how to be like him. But then lastly, it's like, what do, uh, what did Jesus do? And I'm really trying to figure that out. How did Jesus walk in this world? And how do I just do more of that? And that has kind of resonated with my whole life um, in the last eight to 10 years. And I'm like, how do I watch? Because I watch in the scriptures, like 90% of Jesus's time, he's with the poor and the outcast. He's with what he calls the fatherless. And I'm like, this is where Jesus hangs out. And you see it over and over again. And I can say, honestly, um, if I step back in 2011, I was a youth pastor at a, a church in the, West, uh, in the East Valley, and I primarily, it was a really wealthy church, had a bunch of kids in two-parent homes, um, rich kids, prim- primarily white, and uh, I felt like I was doing good things, but I felt like I was entertaining kids a lot. And then I, as I transit, as, um, in 2011, I got invited to go on a missions trips to India. And a lot of times, God starts to reveal stuff when you get out of your kind of comfort zone. And I remember we went to India, and we, had to work, we worked with this children's home. And then we had these 30 kids who were these orphans kind of abandoned in this third world um, country. They're, they're, all of the brothers and sisters were, had to work in the rice fields, but they were able to get these 30 kids, at least get them to go to school. And I was with my uh, group, and we were doing this mercy ministry at this, at this moment. And they, had, they gave us, as the group, um, an egg, a roll, and a banana. And they lined up all these kids, and they're all smiling and excited. They knew every single uh, day this was their time. And they lined up like 30 minutes early. And we're holding, and I was in charge of the eggs, and I was like, um, this is kind of cool, but this is, and the kids are all excited, and... We're handing them out, egg, egg, and I'm looking at the bowl, egg, passing it down, and I just see more kids keep running, more kids keep running. And then halfway through, I'm like, I got like four eggs left and like 40 kids. And in the middle of that, like this fury of chaos starts to happen, and kids are reaching and grabbing, and you're like, I got all, I, like this is something so fixable, Right? And it was honestly one of the first times I've saw in my life, like, the injustice of something that God never wanted. Like, you're looking on earth, and you want heaven on earth, but for me, I'm looking at that, and like, this is not it. And it started to just mess with me, but then in the same token, in the same day, I'm working with these kids, and there's so much joy on their face, and they're, they're running around and grabbing my hand, and Ryan, 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 
they can say that, and what is your name? What is your name? <laughs> you know, I'll take it. And as they're saying, what is your name? I feel like I'm looking in the eyes of Christ. And I'm looking at God in ways I have never seen before. And it just tore me up. I'm looking at God, and then I fast forward, I fly home, and I'm feeling all the things, right? Like this experience that you have, you're, you, we've all had those little moments, even the most non-emotional of us in the room, you've had those moments where you feel it, and you have to, sometimes you have to like, I force myself to have to dig into that and say, what does that look like? And I come back home, and I'm then going back to my everyday life, and I'm like, this, I feel like I'm called to be a disciple, and if Jesus was going to come back, he wouldn't even recognize me. And not in like this weird, like convict, like uh, this, it's more of just a conviction of like, I need to go where Jesus spent his time. So I'm always like, uh, anyone who knows me, like my wife used, would wish I would like aim a little bit, ready, aim, aim, shoot. I'm like, shoot, oh, here it goes. And uh, we ended up uh, leaving the church, moving to South Phoenix, um, and we wanted to work with um, at-risk youth and work with kids, um, and we ended up, start, we thought it may be a church, no, it's not a church, can't do that, um, and we ended up starting a uh, single mom shelter for homeless families and trying to work, look upstream and doing a community, community um, uh, agency with that, and it started to move, but always in our heart, we knew, like Sarah and I were called to this foster care thing. And we wanted to work with these kids in, these, in the community and work with our kids in our state who are just needed love and needed a sense of family in a way that we could um, easily give. We were not necessarily the most competent in our abilities, but we knew we had the capacity through God to be able to make it happen. And uh, fast forward, we ended up having a couple kids come in and out of our home we had two of our boys that were adopted. Um, and then in 2015, um, this girl, I was working in the foster care system, and uh, I, uh, we, was, we were doing a bunch of different things. At this point, we had four kids under four in our house, the minivan scene, right? Okay, and then I knew there was this girl who was 14. Her name was Pima, and I, there was something about her she was quiet, quiet, she was, maybe that was the reason, she was quiet. Uh, <laughs> she was quiet, she, um, she was an artist, um, she's been in so many homes, she just was searching for some kind of love, and uh, I told Sarah about her, and she's like, you know, the, this, the death stare of the wife, that one, um, so she gave me that, but then all of a sudden, like, Pima's picture started showing up, show up, um, showing up online of a girl that needed to be adopted, and then she reached out to Sarah said, I think we need to bring this girl in. So long story short, Pima's here. I have a picture of her um, with my kids. We have this nightly ritual when we were young. If you can see, it's a little bright, but um, if you take a look, this is a freak show stroller, okay? <laughs> Who owns a stroller with four seats? Some church that was like, felt bad for us, gave us this stroller. A thing was 350 pounds. The one wheel was all, so it was like a, da, 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 da. every time they, the kids would go, they thought it was the best thing ever. Like, I got a bicep workout, so I was happy too. Um, and then uh, Pima would be rollerblading. So, I mean, 
when anyone would w- drive by us, they, we were the, sh- the family that everyone swooped around and be like, stay away from the centers. <laughs> um, but honestly, this is, uh, so she moves in, and anything you know about foster kids, typically there's two responses. One, because of the trauma, because of the grief that they went to, they're explosive, angry, they're frustrated, they don't know how to handle it, they get mad, um, they yell, they scream, they cry, they keep a hard exterior. Um, and then there's another side that I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to I'm going to push away. Just I want to be quiet and visible. I want to be able to make uh, not let any like uh, it just chill. Whatever I'm trying to say, you know, you you want to make sure it's still. And that was Pima. She's like, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be I'm going to not ruffle any feathers. Um, I'm really nervous. And we watched as years and years go by as that um, she starts to make friends at school. We're like, that's a win. Uh, we notice that she wants to get her permit. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> but she ended up after uh, six attempts. No, no, just kidding, four. Um, <laughs> she got her permit. And we watch as um, she's getting ready to be the first one to graduate high school. And one of the best things is her senior year at Cesar Chavez High School, she says to us, um, I want to go out for a club. I want to go out for a sport. I've never done that before. And we're like, what? Heck Yeah. So she tries out for the badminton team. Yeah. Have you ever been to a badminton tournament? Oh, I have. They are awesome. And she just did a great job. In her senior year, we were at the banquet with her um, coach, and they give out all the awards, and then they give out the player of the year. And my daughter, who's a senior, first time playing any sport, gets the player of the year. And I'm just like, proud dad. She graduates high school, goes to community college because she wants to be able to work with some kids. And now she's 19, and she's going taking a class, and she's in between classes, and she uh, wants to go to Chipotle, go to lunch before her next class. And she, in that moment, she, she gets her in her car, goes across the street of South Mountain Community College, and she sees a guy holding up a sign which is not abnormal in our part of town. She gets out of her car and she looks, and the guy's like, hey, do you have any money? And she walks up closer to the guy, and she realizes who this guy is. She knows who he is. And she walks closer and she says, hey, can I have some money? And she's like, dad? And he didn't even recognize who she was. And uh, she gets in her car, she goes back to class, she sits in her English exam, paper blank, the whole time. I can't, frozen. She's gone back to a place where there is significant pain. She uh, makes it through work. She comes home with Sarah and I, and we notice something's up. We don't know what's all has went down, and she's, she finally just starts to unload and share what just happened. And he didn't even know who I was. And he didn't even know who I was. And if you've ever seen, and I'm sure we all have, someone in deep pain, that's a holy moment you have to hold on to. That's when it's time to just be Jesus and sit. You don't need to have the perfect answer, but you need to be present. And Pima... You are loved. You are not expendable. 
you are adopted into our family. You are holy and dearly loved. And we have this mantra in the center's family for years. My kids hate it, but they love it. I always say, you are strong, you are brave, and you are kind. I tell the identity over, you are strong, and you are brave, and you are kind. Pima, you are brave, you are home right now. And uh, you start to watch her, and we're praying over her, and it's just such a moment that's like, and then an hour later, we're putting the kids to bed, which is always a madhouse anyways. So I'm taking the two upstairs. It's always rock, paper, scissors. He's got to do those ones. And uh, I go to take the two boys upstairs. And Pima darts and like pretty much body checks me into the stairs to beat me upstairs. And she gets into her little brother's room, who's four years old. And I'm standing outside the door. And she gets down on her knees and says, Maddox, you are strong. You are brave. You are kind and you're going to college. <laughs> and for me in that moment, it's like this, like another, like I'll take a badminton championship, but I'll take a healed girl all day. And to watch someone being brave just means I push through the pain. Yeah, I'm scared to death, but I still press forward. And I'm watching her just continue to step forward in the midst of all the pain. And I'm just so proud in that moment. And now she's 22 years old. Um, young adulthood is tough for everybody, including parents. And, uh, but we, uh, she works for Ohana. And a couple months ago, we opened up a sex traffic girls' home. And uh, this home, normally, if you didn't know, like, sex traffic is a real thing, and it's a real prevalent thing here in our state. And the state asked us to open up another home for them, um, because they think we, I guess we do a good job and we actually care about the kids and want to see their lives kind of get changed and trying to get mentors for their family. And uh, we've been getting ready and they're calling, can you open this home, can you open this home, can you open this home? And we um, finally get it open. And normally, like a normal human being, you get a kid, you let them get situated, right? Like you bring a kid home from the hospital or you, your niece or nephew comes stay with you, you're not gonna bring all 10. Um, within two days, the house was full because they were waiting, they were sitting in jail, they were sitting in a hospital, they were, um, they were sitting in a placement center and just waiting for the kids to come. So these girls come into this house and it's been like a wild ride for sure. But yes, this week Pima comes, in, comes to the office to check in and she says, Dad, you won't believe what this girl did and this girl did. Yeah, it was crazy, but you could see the, like the, she like has so much love and joy for them and then she whips out her phone and she shows me a pictures and she's like, look, we did a photo shoot. So she gets the girls all dressed up, and they go get flowers in the neighborhood, South Phoenix flowers, they're extra nice. And uh, she, she's taking pictures with them. And I'm watching my daughter, who I feel like I have been called to like, train up and disciple, now doing wonders and doing things for these girls that I could never imagine. I don't have the patience for that. And, but she's watching, she's like getting in the mess with these girls and just letting them be kids. And I'm like, yes, this is right. And I'm just so proud of my kid to watching her kind of mature and her bravery because she's, we told her, hey, we want you to go try out this, this sex traffic girls. I'm what? No, 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 dad. No, no, no. Baby, it would be all right. And uh, now she's just killing it. 
And I am so, like, within the foster care system, I never thought, I knew she needed us, but I never knew how much we needed her and how much more different we became because of her and our family. Like, I have learned aspects of God's goodness I could have never imagined. I've learned when it talks about, like, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. I don't want to learn that one anymore. (laughs) It's like the old word they call long-suffering. Oh, man, if I could just not do that one. But I'm like, this is what God's doing, right? And I'm grateful to people like you guys who, like, Pastor Tim, he's like, when he talks about love moves, it's not just like a, a cool little catchphrase. It's a thing. It's like this is the posture of a disciple and what we're called to be like. Um, I, in the same vein of like this home that we opened, it got a little wild and the neighbor next door was complaining over and over again that we had these girls here. And they would be yelling at my staff and then finally I get involved and he says, he says, I am a Christian man. I am a, and I understand what you're trying to do, but how are these girls allowed in this neighborhood? How are they allowed to be here? And I was like, hmm. I'm like, well, sir, where do you want them to go? I go, they're not criminals. They're not expendable. They're kids. Where do you want them to go? I don't know, can't you just get some farm or something and take them over there? And not in my neighborhood. And praise the Lord if this was on the phone because my righteous anger wouldn't have been all that righteous. You know what I'm saying? And when I think about that, those moments and I think not in my neighborhood, when we say not in my neighborhood, Jesus says, yeah, you're right, not in my neighborhood, in my house. Yeah, not in my house, in my family, in my pain, in my vulnerability. I may not be totally equipped, but he says, he says come. And those are the moments that Jesus is so thick and so present. He says, I want to engage with you. I want you to experience the fullness of my life. So I'm going to stretch you and have to put you in situations. And I am living this out right now. Um, I can't talk about the video right now because that story is not done, but it is painful right now. And the whole long suffering thing, oh, it's long. But I know God's goodness is there. And um, I am been more and more challenged as I look at what it means to be a, um, when I think about this word discipleship, go and obey that this is a moment of our life that we just get to um, engage. And it's like the whole parable of the sheep and the goats. It's like that Matthew 25 and the last part, he says, when were you, uh, he says in uh, Matthew 25, it says, the king will say, come who are blessed, my father will take in his hands. The kingdom of has the, uh, the kingdom prepared for since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Stranger, you invited me in. Clothed me, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will say, 
when did I do, do these things? And the king says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you do for the least of these, my brother, you did for me. You did for me. And it's like you're looking for me when I'm, and I think you have seen it too, when you engage the pain of the world that we're in and these moments, we have, there is, like you're looking in the eyes of Christ. And uh, I am super challenged and encouraged by that. And I just want to, um, as we look at this um, next year, and I, I am looking at the 14,000 kids in care right now, and I'm like, we're going to make a dent in this. And us as a, as a body of Christ, as a collective body, we have the ability to engage these 14,000 kids to make sure that they have love, um, that they have ohana. And for um, our call to action is not necessarily that you need to adopt or uh, there's a tagline that says, if you can adopt, adopt. If you can't adopt, foster. If you can't foster, mentor. If you can't mentor, volunteer. Um, if you can't volunteer, then give. Some of us may be called to say, you, you have a very like, generous church and you have a lot of foster families in this and you guys need to support them hardcore. <laughs> and say, keep on fighting, get back in the game. Uh, but some of us, there are um, opportunities, if you um, have any availability uh, at Ohana, we're looking for mentors for, kid, for uh, any age um, to just love a kid. It's four hours a month, and we train you on how to do this, and you just mentor a kid in the foster care system, and it just teach them what it means to, I mean, it can be as simple as um, taking them out to lunch, hearing about their life, engaging um, their pain, helping them learn how to make a job application, um, inviting them into your family. Doesn't mean they gotta live there, but they wanna experience. Sometimes God says, just come into my life. Um, so we have opportunities for that. Um, we have 40 kids that all need mentors. And um, so there's one way to be able to engage. And the second one is uh, on your guys' website, you guys have a, um, a link for uh, your initiative that you're doing called Love Fosters. And in that Love Fosters movement, we are actually hosting a prom for um, our sex trafficked girls. Um, this May, what we're doing is we're, they're getting all dressed up. We're looking for people who can do makeup and hair and do, do get the dresses and all the things. And we're doing like a whole prom for them and just a night of dignity and telling them that they are the princess of the king. And we're looking for volunteers to be able to engage with that, um, give for those kind of things, because we just want to, their story is not done. Our story is not done. Like, thank God, God saved a wretch like me. And we get to be able to step in that too. So um, I'm thankful to you guys. I'm going to pray as uh, we kind of close out our time today. Father God, we uh, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace in our life. Thank you for the ability to be called your children. Uh, we pray for those who, um, the 14,000 kids in our state who need your love and your grace right now. Um, I ask for just your, um, where you are calling each and every one of us, God, where um, whatever place that we are sitting in, Jesus, may you just be, um, do your work in your way. Uh, God, if you're calling us to uh, engage in some aspect, God, we just give that over to you. Uh, we thank you that you are a holy and righteous God. 
We thank you that you are a God who does not stop loving, does not stop pursuing. Thank you that you do not stop pursuing each and every person in this space. Thank you don't you don't stop pursuing the kids in the foster care system. Thank you that their stories are not done, but you are going to redeem. So Jesus, we pray redemption. We pray your love. We pray your grace and victory over each person. Um, God, we may be a, a church that moves. Um, love moves. Love fosters. Love is unrelenting. So we claim that to you. We pray victory over that in Jesus' name. Amen.